0: Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In today's episode, we explore the ethics of artificial intelligence in defense, a topic that sparks intense debate and demands careful consideration. As AI continues to reshape the landscape of defense applications, questions about responsibility, accountability, and ethical implications arise. Join us as we dive deep into the complexities of AI and defense, seeking to understand how we can harness its potential while upholding the ethical principles and safeguarding human rights. Together, let's uncover the ethical challenges, envision the future, and explore pathways to ensure responsible AI implementation in defense. Let's do this. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, president of OnCall Compliance Solutions and and a CMC registered practitioner and CMC Certified Professional Assessor. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, pleasure to be here, Roman. Thanks for having me. As usual. So, Mike, in previous episodes, we've touched on artificial intelligence here and there, but today we're talking more fully about the presence and effect of AI in the defense community. So how can we ensure that the use of AI in defense aligns with eth- with ethical principles and human rights? Um it's a great
1: great question uh and I think um you know number one is I I don't think that I have, you know, a very good answer for that. Uh so uh, I'll I'll call this one an opinion piece rather than a factual answer and you know I'm always always Fair trying enough. to make sure people are aware of that when it happens. Um, You know, so I think there are some some moral and ethical issues around artificial intelligence when it comes to defense. I'm not going to sort of delve into the moral part of it. Um, You know, things like, hey, you know, should we have artificial intelligence flying these planes versus humans, you know, to save lives and things like that? I think that's probably better left for another forum. But what I will say is, is that there is a lot of of AI use. Uh, that has been flagged in uh, the use of defense work that's pretty concerning. And, and here's where it comes from. Uh, as a defense contractor, you have an ethical and frankly legal obligation to not wind up submitting controlled unclassified information into these artificial intelligence systems. So the classic example is um, you want to extract an answer or figure out you know, uh, something and you go to, um, let's say, ChatGPT, right? That's the classic one. We go to ChatGPT and we enter in some proprietary information about an F-35 fighter plane to try to get an answer out of ChatGPT. Well, depending upon what you've entered, if what you've entered is non-public information, um, this is a huge data breach, right? So this is an information security incident, it's a cyber incident, and we're in big trouble because on basically every one of these artificial intelligence systems uh there are you know end user license agreements that you have to actually click i agree to just to use the system and part of that is that they get to store and process your data that you're inputting and that that's theirs forever Um, and, and i think a lot of people from a from an ethical perspective are just simply not aware that that's the sort of that's the deal right to use their systems they get to keep your data Um, And, you know, there's obviously major privacy concerns, which is a huge deal. Um, And I think that primarily for defense contractors, the big the big question is, look, we've got these amazing tools out here, and they would love to use them. uh, But yet, you know, you can't use them because you can't submit some of the input because it's CUI. So I, I think that I would, you know, point to that as as the most obvious tripwire for defense contractors that I think they ought to know about. And, you know, look, it is a moral and ethical issue, right? It's to use these systems or to not use these systems. Um, you know, there's there's no government version of chat GPT. So uh, what, what do you do? So that's a real challenge. Uh, and then I think, you know, you also get into the moral and ethical challenges of what happens in defense when you begin to remove the people from defense and you start really integrating uh, sort of machine decision making, which is what ChatGPT and a lot of these other artificial intelligence platforms are. Um, and and I'll, I'll just reflect back on sort of a lesson that, that I learned uh, from a very rapidly scaling, um, you know, precision machine company. Uh, it was said to me, you know, yeah, you know, Mike, if we can spend a million dollars to replace a human with a robot that can run 24 hours a day, seven days a week and doesn't show up sick and doesn't show up drunk and doesn't have, you know, divorces and ethical issues, I will do it every single time. And I won't kid you, you I'm a CEO, right? Like I I run a defense business and uh, I don't disagree with that. I mean, we've made moves in our business. Um, You know, for instance, we've made moves uh, and I'll just, I'll use a fairly easy one to understand. You know, we have copywriters. We were getting ready to hire three copywriters for our staff. Uh, We eliminated that when ChatGPT really broke out because all we had to do is go to ChatGPT give it subject matter and it would basically write the articles frankly faster and better than any human can why would i hire those three people so i think that's another larger scale issue that a lot of people are dealing with right now you're talking about the you know the hollywood writers and and the hollywood guild uh union strikes right now because they're afraid that ai can essentially sit there and replicate people like Brad Pitt and you know i mean and they're right i mean it's a genuine genuine fear so um, will there be new jobs created by AI? Sure. And, and is that a moral and ethical issue? Sure. Uh, but I think that all of these things have to be considered in defense businesses, especially if you're a smaller defense business, which is, one, how can you leverage it to grow your business and do better in, you know in terms of defense wins? But then next, is it morally and ethically right to do that? And you've got laws. Uh, particularly DFARS, NIST, and CMMC, where some of that compute power isn't even in the United States. So then you've got ITAR violations. So you do have to really strongly consider the implications of using AI in the defense industry. Um, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal point.
0: Okay. On a previous episode, you mentioned that AI isn't truly autonomous. It's 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 re- referred to as artificial intelligence, but I uh, believe that it it is more closely tied to supplemental intelligence because there has to be some some human there to give it commands to to put in the information that it needs whatever so it's not truly autonomous because of the need for human operation but with that sometimes comes human error so what are some potential risks and challenges associated with deploying ai in defense and how can we mitigate them Again, it's just a phenomenal topic. And
1: I'll just kind of recap on my comments from from earlier, which is the way that artificial intelligence works. First off, it's really not artificial intelligence. Um, Chat GPT, again, I'll just use this as the great example because everybody knows it. It's a language learning model. So in other words, it it ingests a very, very large data set where you show the computers an object per se, right? And the the machine gets an opportunity to sort of recognize and, and catalog that. And then humans have to actually create the description that goes along with that. This is done in places like autonomous driving. So you have people who are basically going out there with pictures of a road sign, and then you have a human that labels that road sign a stop sign, and then teaches that to the machine. Why I say teaches it, I mean, they basically have a a massive, massive database, uh, you know, that's that's doing all of that. So um, this is not real intelligence by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, what this actually is, is it is immense cataloging and indexing of data. Um, and then that data is then, you know, essentially fed patterns of people's speech. Uh, and so, you know, those patterns of speech are essentially being broken down into mathematical patterns and things like that. Like there's no real the machine thinks for itself but the machine is given decision-making guidance based on if and then statements, you know, if, then, and, and. Um, no different than a computer program, right? So it can't ever get more sort of um, intelligent than that. Even if it was to get emotional uh, sort of decision-making, you still have to basically say, okay, emotion is a randomized equation on how you'll interpret it. Here's a great example, right? I have, I have little kids. Now, if if my daughter, who is six years old, takes a tumble and scratches her knee, there are two ways that she can react to that. She can sort of break out in a big ball of tears or she can suck it up and keep going like nothing happened. That is typically based on a response or an input that comes from the parent who is around her. And so there is an ability to essentially mechanize that level of decision-making. It also doesn't mean that you couldn't have a random reaction which is, let's okay. say, you know if if mom treats a fall as an emotional event has to coddle the child and dad treats the fall as a suck it up, let's go and and ignores it event. And that's how the child normally reacts. You can throw in some level of randomization where essentially it says, well, you know, once every fourth or fifth fall, dad's going to actually coddle the child because maybe that was serious or maybe there's a level of severity. So it's all math. Um, I don't really feel that it's, it's the same thing where humans quite literally, I don't know if it's, you know, you could call it a, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the electrons in the brain sort of just are, are, you know, can can be random, right? They can sort of generate their own pattern uh, that is unique. Um, although I will say that, again, most thought patterns are rooted in something, right? So, you know, we sort of get programmed when we're children about how we'll probably wind up living out the rest of our life unless we take an active course of change. I, I You know, and again, I don't want to get terribly deep into it. I think it's a really fun subject, but I also think our goal here is to probably provide value. So, you know, what do I think? I think the answer is um uh well let's 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 rebase the question, right? So ask the question one more time.
0: Right. Uh and to your point about the randomization of, of reactions from a child, it's like the it's like the punt square of human reaction. You know, you had you you have your odds of what your reaction's gonna be, and then sometimes you it just goes somewhere else. All right. So the question was, what are some potential risks and challenges associated with deploying AI in defense, and how can we mitigate them?
1: Yeah, so I think the big risk is in assuming that the language models that we may use, or the artificial intelligence that we may use in defense, are a good substitute for human judgment. i think I think that is probably the most paramount danger which is turning too much decision-making over into a machine. I think the other thing is, is that there's an old phrase that everybody knows called trust, but verify. And to be really honest with you, another danger of the human element, which is that humans, remember, are the ones labeling this data going into the big, the big data sets that are are driving this. There's gonna be mistakes. I mean, to give you an idea, um, the company, one of the companies that is behind Building those data sets and having a human label them, I mean, they're using sub-minimum wage in, you know, South American countries, like they're using very, very low paid labor to do this labeling. And so you've got to know that there's going to be some pretty interesting mistakes that will get made along the way. And so I think the danger really becomes, well, how clean is the data set that actually created the answer? How close is the supervision and quality control uh, there are no quality control standards right now for for these language models. They simply do not exist. And in fact, if you ask Bard versus ChatGPT versus Facebook Meta's you know version of it, you will get different answers. And I think that's very very interesting when you talk about the idea of uh, you know essentially a language model or artificial intelligence making a kill or don't kill decision in warfare. You know, um, I, I do recall seeing a, an article recently where they had a drone that was essentially powered by artificial intelligence that decided that because it couldn't accomplish the mission, it would come back and fire upon the, um, you know, the, the, the host airport that it came from because it couldn't accomplish the mission because it was being called back to base uh, before the mission was accomplished. So its answer to that was well. I have an original mission, and I haven't accomplished it yet. So I need to go kill the people who are essentially giving me a cease and desist order. That's real. That that happened. That article is out there, and um, you know, I think that again, will we overcome those challenges? Of course, uh, I think that we will absolutely overcome those challenges, and I think we will do that very quickly. Uh, we just have to make some mistakes first. I think the I think another interesting question is what are the mistakes? What are the sacrifices that will be made? Uh, in an effort to get it right when it comes to defense.
0: You made an interesting point when you talked about, like, that artificial intelligence isn't an intelligence. And as I even said in this podcast, I've referred to it before as supplemental intelligence, whereas you take the, you take something that a, that the operator already knows and you're adding to it. But if you reframe it, you know, I think you're right where it's like, if you're, if you're researching a subject, say you're for a school paper, right? And you, go to Google or wherever and you type in information, actually reading the information or researching the information or even writing the paper based on the information isn't, isn't intelligence. It is is not on some level just taking in information or copy pasting, whatever. The intelligence comes from the retention and repetition of the person after the fact of did you read the paper and then can you tell me about it later without without going back to it? Is it in your mind? That's where the intelligence comes in. So if artificial intelligence is just taking commands and, you know, in some cases of chat GPD, if you have it hooked up to Google, you know, looking for information, you're right. That's not intelligence at all. That's just following commands. Yeah, so. yeah 100%. That that's just the thought that I had. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no as, yeah, thanks. As AI continues to evolve in unprecedented ways, so do its abilities and potential applications in defense. And I think this question is interesting because it goes to kind of what you're talking about with the writer strike, where they're worried about what AI can do as far as potentially replacing them. So the question is. Should there be limitations on the types of AI applications in defense? And if so, how do do we define those boundaries?
1: You know, I I think that there are two schools of thought uh, about this whole thing. You know, one is a school of thought that we should regulate artificial intelligence, and another one is that we should not regulate it. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at Elon Musk, he falls into the we should regulate it category. And if you look at um, some of the other players, you know, like like Google, for instance, has not talked a lot about regulating it as loudly. Um, You know, my thought about this is whatever you regulate, you will simultaneously create a black market for. So any attempts at regulating essentially what is nothing more than a computer program are completely fruitless. You know, if you look at the Napster saga, you know, from the early 90s about music sharing. The second that Napster was sort of more or less destroyed, you wound up with the Pirate Bay. You wound up with a million different variations, and frankly, they were all improved. So I think the ultimate reality is that it's coming. It's kind of here, but it's but really, I think there are some things that it can do. I think that as, um, and I will just tell you with some inside knowledge from a defense perspective, we already see a lot of the major manufacturers in defense beginning to automate more machines and equipment um, with with that power. You know, certainly controlled by humans, but in my eyes, I think it is only a matter of time uh, before, um, you know, whether it's regulated or not or allowed or not or whatever. uh, I don't think that, you know, the world will quite be the same after this. Again, I, I reflect back to our own experience. There are probably three people that don't have to be employed by our company right now because we just simply don't need them because we can go to chat GPT for free or with a $20 paid membership and literally produce way more than what three human beings could produce. Uh, war is the perfect place for artificial intelligence to really, you know, become usable. And it's really scary. It's really, really frightening, you know. And, and I'll give you another great example of that, which is, you know, if you look at what's going on with Ukraine and Russia right now. Um, Russia is chock full of nuclear weapons, and you know it's probably not a very popular thought, but I think it's only uh, really more or less sort of um, a matter of time before one of those nuclear weapons is used. If you're thinking without emotion, those nuclear weapons would have just simply already been used. They probably would have been used on day two of that attack when the when the initial approach didn't work um i'm not a politician i don't get into this kind of stuff but what i can tell you is if you don't have emotion involved the answer is really very easy go nuke your enemy and, and hope that your missiles land about one second before their missiles land back on you um warfare frankly becomes very very simple when humans aren't involved who cares about destroying some machines they're not real they're not you know there's no ethics there there's no morality there um and you can already see that happening we have drones that are just being thrown. You know, you'd never think it throwing an F-35 jet at buildings the way that they're doing that with drones right now, right? The the collateral damage is so minimal in warfare right now with, with unarmed vehicles that it is, um, to me, I just think it's fascinating. It will be very interesting to see what the future of war is. Um, it's, it's, you know i i would i wish that it was something positive but it's not i think uh, ultimately it just gets more dangerous the less emotion you have about something and i think it starts to become about who wants to solve the problem worse um you know and then you know this is also a very interesting time because it's an age for you know potentially new superior forces to come into play i mean it very well could be the case that while the us has been on top of the world for quite a while some other country who just simply has a strategic advantage, like North Korea, for instance, could just simply wave around, you know, some sort of an artificial intelligence saber versus a nuclear saber, and you know that could be pretty intense. You know, particularly if they find ways to affect power and internet. I think probably two of the most common things that humans have come to really rely on. Um, and hey, look, with artificial intelligence hacking uh, becoming something that is on the rise. It's absolutely frightening. Um, It really, it really is. So, you know, not to get into all of that. I think, you know, basically when we, when we really boil down everything that's going on, you know, I think what we look at is, uh, you know, less human casualties, but less human opportunity is probably going to be the end result of this. And, you know, again, for those people who are in control, you know, uh, as is the current reality, those people who are out there building the companies and things like that, they will continue to, you know, prosper uh, leveraging more and more efficient ways of doing things.
0: Well, this, this episode has certainly given me and hopefully our audience a lot to think about. But uh, now we move on from the really, really serious stuff to our favorite part of of this whole thing. And I have to admit <laughs> that today's silly question is one of the sillier ones that that we've come up with. I don't know why I chose this one, but here we go. Would artificial intelligence resolve conflicts between countries over a game of rock, paper, scissors? Absolutely, right? If you put two
1: two AI robots together, why couldn't they randomize responses and try to figure out strategy? I think that might be, uh, in my opinion, much, much better for mankind if we could just get away with artificial intelligence doing our fighting for us in a peaceful, contained way. And you know, uh, hey, look, I think that, you know, if if Zelensky and Vladimir Putin could just play some rock, paper, scissors and quit killing their own people, um, this thing could be settled and probably have the exact same end result. So I think rock, paper, scissors is a much, much more preferable means to an end than any warfare.
0: I think uh, I don't know if you've ever played Risk, but it literally, you know, comes down to you have you know, a certain amount of troops on one side and a certain amount of troops on another. And it's literally decided by rolling the dice and whichever side has the higher number wins. And if you've ever played it, they have a mobile game version and you can do like a quick roll and then you press the thing and it's like, oh, this per- this side wins because the dice landed that way and it just happens in seconds. So it's like that kind of feel about the, same, about the same way. It's like, oh, well, I played Rock, Paper, Scissors and I lost, so you can have this territory or you can you can do whatever you want now it's it's quite serious and, and that's a great point which is
1: that you know i think that there will be things that happen faster i'm i'm very surprised that this war in ukraine has gone for you know almost two years now and the reason for that is because i think that either side given the right set of weapons could just simply end it, and, and I think that also talks to the level of pressure that non-war related items has. Um, you know, again, Russia has a very clear objective, and they're not accomplishing it. And it's surprising to me, to some extent, that they have not brought in their tactical nuclear capability to handle their other mistakes. But again, they understand that the world just simply won't tolerate it, or They can't seem to get the assurances from their partners that they'll support it. And, um, you know, I have to tell you that artificial intelligence or not, that's got to be a really major improvement. Uh, Just generally speaking, I think it's a a really major improvement over, you know, the way that things are today. So, um, you know, on the bright side, I guess uh, I would like to, you know, uh, you know, again, look our our business is supported by the war machine right so there's there's an element of that too And if you're listening to this podcast your business probably has some element of it that's that that speaks true to as well um you know which is a tough thing to basically say hey look you don't want war anymore because it's such a great economic driver but uh I I think that there I would rather I would you know I think some of the big massive stuff like the nuclear um it, it's so risky and so devastating that um you know you hope those things you know you hope those things you hope maybe artificial intelligence can maybe have a shot at preventing some of those things from ever happening again so um that's the story i uh you know i I think ultimately it will be very interesting to see where all of this goes i think for defense contractors the biggest concern is an understanding that cui still has to be protected and that you know you're definitely violating itar you're you're violating uh you know cui if you're sending it out to these artificial intelligence type services and You really need to be careful about that that's that's one of the big takeaways here for defense contractors
0: i mean all it takes is to go to the movie theaters right now and watch oppenheimer to see all the chaos and the i guess pun intended fallout of the last time a major power dropped a nuke. (laughs) um you know uh (laughs) so if if ai can kind of mitigate that who who knows we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens and uh, and that wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us again today and giving us another great uh, set of information and answers to our topic. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Roman. But the conversation does not end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag MissionCompliancePodcast. You can also visit our website at MissionCompliancePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and bonus content. If you haven't already, don't forget to what, Mike? Like, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Boom. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you get on your favorite podcast platform to let you know when new episodes like this one are released. And we truly appreciate if you could, like Mike said, take a moment to rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.